So this past Wednesday was a day of fasting and abstinence, and maybe Jesus could fast for 40 days and be okay, but if I skip one meal, I turn into a baby. And then Thursday rolled around, and I was hungry. You know, and actually that was a good thing. Mom always said it's always good to be a little bit hungry and a little bit cold. As the day wore on, I knew I was eating too much. We had a staff meeting at which we were celebrating staff birthdays, and so I had an extra piece of cake. At dinner that night, had extra servings for meal uh, at the mealtime, and then at night, value time cheese curls. <laughs> and bodily, I, my body was going, you really, really want these. Come on. And my brain is going, you are so going to regret this later. It's time to stop. But as it does from time to time, my body went out over my brain. And even as I'm plowing through the bag, there's a little voice in the back of my mind going, you should stop now. You should stop now. And then I got to the point where I'm just going to have one more. And then, okay, that one wasn't cheesy enough. One more after that. <laughs> and then you get to the point where well, the bag's almost empty now. It's kind of pointless to put it back in the cupboard. So you might as well finish the bag. And of course, at the end, I felt bloated. And the next morning, you know, you just had one of those blah feelings, both spiritually and physically. Is it any wonder that we are not perfect creatures if a bag of value time cheese curls can corrupt a will like kryptonite can sap Superman's strength? First of all, why do we sin? We don't go merrily into sin because we think we're going to hurt ourselves or somebody else. By and large, sin has the appearance that it's going to feel good. And by and large, it does. If all sin was was sticking a needle in your eye, none of us would do it. So, indulging in value time cheese curls while I was doing it felt wonderful. And Eve and then Adam gave in to eating the forbidden fruit. When it happened, it didn't say that they gagged on it and spit it out. They ate it. And Eve apparently liked it. And Adam joined right in. She seems to be enjoying it. Why shouldn't I have a little fun? It's one of the insidious things about sin. Is that in the present, it feels good. Gossiping. A little extra time on the computer playing games or doing web searches, eating too much, drinking too much, looking at porn, doing drugs, giving in to temper. One thing that keeps flashes into my mind every time I think about that happened a few years ago. In particular, one day, I just let in on somebody. I said, you know, this person is being a jerk and they deserve everything they get and I didn't check my anger and just let it out on them and it felt wonderful for about two minutes and then you think about all the damage that took place and I felt miserable so when Adam and Eve were done with the fruit shortly after for the first time they knew shame and guilt and thus began the cycle of sin you know, you feel off, or you feel bad, or you feel down. And, you know, and, and sin at first feels good. And your body's going, you know what? I remember that thing we did. 
Why don't we do that again? It will make us feel better. And it does at that moment. And then afterwards, you feel bad because you gave in to it. And what makes you feel good? The body goes, I remember what makes us feel good. And you go back into sin again. And then out and in again. The cycle of sin. The other thing about sin is that we can think our way into believing that the sin is, you know, not such a bad thing. Maybe it's actually a good thing. Eve didn't necessarily think, you know what, I want to do evil. Nobody wakes up in the morning, at least hardly anybody wakes up in the morning and goes, what evil thing can I do today? First, a faulty premise is substituted. Not a complete lie, perhaps, just a faulty premise. The serpent says, you certainly won't die if you eat from the tree of good and evil. And you know what? They didn't. Not right after they ate anyway. In fact, they seemed just as healthy after as before. But death did enter the world, and it eventually claimed them. And it was true. They did gain knowledge. But it was a knowledge of division. We now know that we can be divided from God and from each other, and quite frankly, even from ourselves. And so they sowed fig leaves. Then the last true facts came in and pushed them over the edge. It did look good for food, and apparently it was. It was pleasing to the eye, and it was to them, at the time, desirable for knowledge. And so joyfully, Eve enters into sin. I tell almost the same story, eating my value time cheese curls. And even as a nation, we place as our highest good rights. That sounds reasonable. Who wouldn't be pro-rights? Tolerance. That's a good thing. Freedom. That's what this country is built on. But when these are only number one, our right to choose abortion comes in, our right to change the definition of marriage, our right to medical procedures others find objectionable but nonetheless must pay for. None of those, not value time cheese curls, not gossiping, not abortion, will cause people to riot in the street bring down Wall Street, topple the government, and make us go bald and end life as we know it, right? But it does introduce something, even something very subtle into our lives, individually and collectively, that is harmful. Like Adam and Eve, we look to something to cover our shame, and our modern-day fig leaves are distractions, entertainments, the television, the computer, the radio, always something to steer us away, celebrations, positive spins on stories so that we need not face these things. Now in the middle of all this is the Catholic Church, the old stick in the mud. And after celebrating madly last Tuesday, she goes, okay, now it's time for fasting, extra prayer, almsgiving, and, by the way, don't eat meat on Friday, which, of course, goes directly against the tide of our culture. We're asked to change directions, to give up things that are good, to forego pleasures, to focus on 
others and other things, to slow down and to pray, to order to discipline our wills, to gain strength, to be reminded of the good and first principles, and through this to ultimately be set free. Now, here's the problem. The problem is where bad can seem at first good, a good can at first seem like a trial. Giving up a favorite edible, perhaps, chocolate or coffee or pop, it can cause discomfort, irritation, deep longing and desire, but in the long run is being in a state of unreliance on these things. Greater health, freedom, stronger will, Starting better habits can start with annoyance and frustration and temptation. You know, there's a group here that's going to be starting a 6 a.m. workout all during Lent for 40 days. You know, sleep sounds like much more fun. It's a good. But 40 days later, I'll be happier that I worked out than I had a few extra hours sleep. Visiting a lonely relative versus extra computer time 40 days later. What will make you feel better, spiritually better? That I spent some extra time with Aunt Matilda in the nursing home or that I conquered level three of some computer game? Jesus in the gospel gives us the example today. Broker no deals with lesser goods. Keep God as your fundamental source as he did in his temptation, as Jesus did in his temptations. The food is a good thing that the devil tempted him with. But trusting God is better. Knowing your strength is a good thing. Not being vain in God's name is better. Fulfilling your callings to others is a good thing. Doing it not using less than savory means is better. So by following virtue instead of desire, by having God as first principle, even above all other goods, through our Lenten practices, by aligning ourselves with the will of Christ, we find greater freedom, joy, strength, dignity, and hope of heaven, which is, of course, what Jesus wants for you.